2: this week's episode, the weirdest one in history of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Vaughn. Sam Dykstra is in New York City uh, in the former home of the Dodgers in the borough of Brooklyn for this week's and the foreseeable week's episodes. Hello, Sam.
0: Hello. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish I had something that could be like cheery or, or something like that. But yes, I, uh, I am here in New York City at a kitchen table. Um, I, it's the same question I've been asking everybody lately and it's, how are you? And I, I asked that of Tyler here, but I asked that of all of you as well. Um, n- never have those three words, uh, I shouldn't say never, but they rarely have those three words had more meaning in terms of just how are you doing? Um, we hope you're safe. We hope you're at home. Um, You know, keeping your distance from everybody. And we'll get into this here in a little bit. But we ended last week's show by saying, hey, we'll have some coronavirus updates when they come to us. Uh, Just last week when we were talking about this, nothing had been canceled yet. Nothing had been postponed on the baseball side. uh, And a lot has changed since then. But what we care most about with with every week, but especially now and going forward, is, is the safety of all of you listening, hopefully comfortably and safely at home. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody uh, in baseball and worldwide.
2: Um, I will be completely honest with you. I don't even really remember last week's episode. And uh, we recorded a show a week ago. It feels like it was six years ago. And that is how the last week has been. Um, And it's tough. I mean, we will be open with you. We're going to try to do our best to be upbeat and uh, and provide you some happy stuff to distract from um, what is now all of our new realities. Uh, but it's, it's not easy for any of us. And I know that there are a lot of times when um, you know, even as grown adults who uh, as much as I uh, even prior to this did not feel like I really deserved the distinction of being a grown adult. Um, I think a lot of us are just trying to figure out our way through uh, every day, not even through this whole crisis as it moves along but through um every momentary interaction that we have with the world around us and uh it's not going to be easy and this podcast at times might feel a little heavier than it normally does uh hopefully today we'll be able to give you some uh some fun reprieve from the way things feel but um it's tough and uh you know for somebody who already works from home and has worked from home for the last several years for the most part um with the exception of my uh, broadcasting work. This is weird because when you're choosing to do things from home and choosing to be alone, it feels fine. Uh, now I feel like I'm going to lose my mind, and um, that's tough. And for you guys, normally in the office now adjusting to it, uh, I would imagine it's extremely tough. Um, for those of us, and I this is a a feeling that a ton of people across the baseball world have right now and the basketball world and the hockey world as well Um, this does not pertain to my MILB work but I lost two thirds of my employment last week when things started being cancelled from uh, NCAA sports that have been canceled for the the rest of the winter season and the spring season uh to international baseball work three days from now i'm supposed to start broadcasting the uh, the america's olympic qualifier in arizona i should be at a cactus league camp right now and uh things are tough for all of us and it's weird because i think you know five years ago six years ago when we started this show i think we just kind of felt like hey this will be a great little addition to the the world of minor league baseball and now we have um such a a loyal and loving and fun group of listeners uh who feel like family to us and we're going to do our best to provide you with some smiles and uh and some things that will take your mind off of what Uh, may otherwise feel like a struggle Uh, but we're going to try to get through it the same way you're trying to get through it which is we don't really know how so uh, hopefully we'll be able to do some of that and just trying to sound and feel normal you know talking about baseball and talking about um, logos and uniforms and players and transactions and uh, all that type of stuff it's already helped a little bit with what we've been able to record so far today but Um, Bear with us because we're going to be doing this uh, just alongside you guys as we all try to figure out how to make our way in a a very changed world. Um, But it's certainly not anything that we have uh, really done before in any way. Like, obviously, we've had some episodes that have dealt with uh, more serious issues than just the the norm. uh, But this is I don't have words for it.
0: Yeah, and and that's one thing that we have to you know keep coming back to. Um, We should lay out exactly what's what's gone on here. If you're living under a rock and somehow listening to this show for news, um, (laughs) welcome in. Great, Uh, that's great that you trust. Yeah, that's great that you trust us in that way. But. For everybody who doesn't know, and most of you who do, it's worth repeating anyways. Uh, Last week, spring training was canceled very shortly after we published our episode. Uh, There's no more Grapefruit or Cactus League. Uh, Teams are shutting down facilities in spring training. Uh, Nobody's really being able to hang out or work out anymore, at least in a formal setting in Florida or Arizona. Uh, The Major League Baseball opening day was originally postponed two weeks, at least two weeks since that has been extended a little while. uh, The Center for Disease Control has recommended that nobody gather in groups of more than 50 for the next eight weeks. Uh, That might be seven weeks now from when they said that. Uh, So Major League Baseball pushed that back even further, as you're probably – Knowing and hearing from everywhere, you really shouldn't be in a group of more than 10 uh, anywhere anyways. Uh, Obviously, that affects minor league baseball as well. Right now, minor league opening day was scheduled for April 9th. That's being pushed back indefinitely. We don't have a timetable on that. Uh, Lots of things have to come into place for that. Uh, Some people might know, you might not know, that the gulf between major league opening day and minor league opening day this year was two weeks, which is larger than normal it used to be a couple days now it was two weeks uh so just when i was getting to camp was a couple days after some minor leaguers had just reported uh to their regular spring training they were just getting going they hadn't even played games yet now they have to shut it down go home uh in most cases stay around try to get some workouts in in other cases but they're going to have to ramp up even more so than the major league players will uh once we all get the go go ahead. But what this really comes down to is safety. Uh, It's the safety of the players. We've already seen two minor leaguers in Yankees camp test positive for the coronavirus. Uh, It doesn't sound like anything's that worrisome with their health, but the entire minor league side of Yankees camp has, is going under self quarantine. Those guys are staying in hotel rooms. They're getting meals every day. Uh, We don't want that to spread. That's why, all of our writers are working out of home. That's why a lot of minor league front offices are all working out of home now. We're trying to contain this the best we can. Uh, if you are able, please stay at home. Um, you know, we don't want this spreading further than it is. As much sadness as this brings to all of us in baseball that we are not here talking about who is making, you know, the Chicago White Sox rotation or is so-and-so prospect uh, going to make the the Dodgers out of camp. Uh, It's really for the best of everybody. That's what we keep coming down to, safety. When it touches baseball like it has, baseball is not immune. Uh, Minor league baseball is not immune. And, you know, we're going to get through these next couple weeks. Just just like everybody else, we're going through this one day at a time. Like everybody else, we've got a show here for you now. Uh, We're very excited for it. Tyler said we already recorded a couple segments of it and uh you know we enjoy being this distraction for you while you can but we're also going to keep you updated on what we hear and and what's going on across minor league baseball and if there's anything you guys want to hear from us specifically uh no more important time than now uh we have a lot of shows to fill coming up we're going to try to get creative with some of those shows but we're also going to try to keep the information coming from you Or for you guys. So if there's something you want to hear, you can find us on Twitter, you know, at Tyler Mon, at Sam Dykstra, MILB. We have our. Email address, podcast at MILB.com. If there's some special episode you guys want us to do, we're batting around some ideas now on that front. If there's a minor leaguer you want to hear from and, and what they're doing, if there's a minor league team you want to hear from, uh, we've got some ideas on, on that front as well, but we're welcoming to that. We want to make this a show for you guys like we do every week uh, and you know keep you guys up to date, keep you guys informed, but keep you guys having fun wherever you are, hopefully safe in the world.
2: Baseball's 43rd-ranked prospect Christian Robinson will join the show coming up here in a little bit. Uh, The top prospect in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization. We're excited to talk with Christian coming up uh, here just shortly. And, uh, yeah, as Sam said, I mean, I echo everything he said. um, And it gives us an opportunity to be creative and be fun and do some stuff like that. Uh, But the overarching message from all of this should be, Please heed the warnings, the uh, advice, the recommendations that you're hearing from the CDC and uh, from your local, your state and local agencies as well. Um, this is not a joke. It is not a hoax. Uh, it is not something that is overblown. Uh, this is a, a real deal event and it is a, a societally changing event. And it puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, I think on the one hand, you know, I always used to joke with people working a job as a, a sportscaster and a writer, and I kind of regret making this joke now, but I always used to joke, you know, if the apocalypse hits, this is like the first industry that's going to go. It's not like me talking about sports on the radio or writing about things, really uh, anything that the the world is hinging on. And yet, simultaneously, even while things change, it's, it's neat for us to see how much we all love sports and how that continues to carry us through and uh you know i see uh friends of mine on on social media who are watching um english premier league soccer stuff the other or uh indian premier league soccer stuff the other day because uh they have not yet shut down sports there um they're they're you know following anything they can that resembles live sports uh and just desperately wanting us to um stay engaged and i think that feels cool for us that this is part of the community for a reason, that sports are part of the community for a reason, and uh, when we get back, hopefully sooner rather than later, to some normalcy when it comes to sports, um, I don't think we'll ever take any of it for granted again, and uh, that's the the silver lining that I know I'm clinging to, but um, more importantly than anything, please be safe, uh, practice social distancing, wash your hands, do the things that you are being told to do, um, it is, it's not worth it. I understand that everybody loves St. Patrick's Day. It is not worth it to go out and have drinks and risk spreading something to somebody who is vulnerable. Um, You know, my mom is 72 years old and has asthma and I am terrified as to what that means. So I'm trying to keep her bubble wrapped in her house and she annoyingly refuses to listen to me in uh, large part. Um, But that's the, those are the important things. Your health is the important thing. You're not going to watch baseball anymore if you are not healthy uh, coming out out of something like this and that's what we want to impart to people more than anything so um cdc.gov obviously has recommendations day to day um you know even uh professional leagues and teams and um the the videos i know that you know a lot of leagues have been posting on hey here's how you wash your hands or here is this star who wants to tell you uh this way to be safe or whatever just take all that seriously um unfortunately there is a, a tie to this, as, as Sam noted, on the baseball side uh, in MILB, which is that two – uh, New York Yankees minor leaguers have tested positive for COVID-19. The team first confirmed that back on Sunday uh, with the initial positive test for one prospect. Uh, on Tuesday, they announced a second player uh, who had been under self-quarantine and then started to tell team personnel that he felt fatigued uh, and had a fever. Uh, that player has since tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and we certainly wish our, our best to, uh, to those two guys. Um, two things about this. And one, um, certainly we wish our best to uh, those two guys uh, who are in isolation and thankfully have had those symptoms dissipate. Um, number two, and this is a, a sentiment that I think um, stems from frustration with me and yet also I think just goes to show the larger message of this illness. I am a little bit irritated by the rush of, for media outlets to declare that this prospect did not have contact with anyone on the Major League side because it doesn't matter. The fact that this young man was infected with this virus and infected at least one other teammate, what does it matter if they were major leaguers or minor leaguers? And that has irritated me. Uh, These guys' lives on the minor league side are just as valuable and as valued by their families, by their friends, by their teammates, by their organization as anyone else. And the fact that it was pointed out so quickly, oh, well, don't worry, he didn't have any contact with the major league side, that irritates me because these guys' lives are important. Um, And I think the more overarching point to that is that this virus does not care who you are. It doesn't care if you're on the minor league side. It doesn't care if you're at Steinbrenner Field. It doesn't care if you're anywhere. It can infect anyone. Uh, The symptoms can be horrible, even if you are young. Uh, It can claim your life, even if you are young. And that is something that people need to take seriously. And I think, you know, we look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant hasn't been healthy, hasn't been playing basketball the entire season. He's got it. Um, Rudy Gobert, who unfortunately has been kind of turned into a uh, a pariah for this issue because of the way he acted with his joking about not having the virus and touching the microphones and, frankly, acting like kind of an idiot, which he admitted um, – this this stuff is serious, and it's, it's horrible that we are discussing this with two guys in professional baseball having been infected, uh, but it goes to show it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. This thing is here, and you have to be smart about it. And we obviously share and uh, and continue to um, give all of our best thoughts and wishes to the families of both of these guys and uh, these players. We are unaware of their identities. It doesn't matter uh, as to their identities. What matters is that they get better and that it helps us all to learn that this is a real issue for all of us.
0: Yeah, no, I, it, that goes back to what I was saying, too, before. Baseball is not immune from this. Um, none of us are immune from it until a vaccine. And we need to rely on uh, medical workers, medical experts to get us to that place. My sister is a nurse. Uh, she works every couple of days at, at a hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, you know, she's taking all the necessary precautions to be okay. Uh, but this is an infectious disease. This is something that spreads. It it doesn't take much, uh, to get from one person to another. So just heed the call. We'll, We'll be here for you. The fun will still happen. Um, but take this as seriously as you can. We're coming to you straight into your homes for a reason. Uh, we're not inviting you out to the ballpark to gather around and listen to our stories. We'll, we'll come to you. You stay there. You stay safe. Uh, and and hopefully in a couple weeks, months, what what have you, uh, we'll all be out of this and uh, safe and healthy and and looking forward to a promising 2020 season.
2: We do have a lot of good stuff coming up on the show today. Christian Robinson, as noted, the top prospect in the D-backs organization, is on the way. Benjamin Hill, uh, we haven't haven't talked to for the last few weeks. Ben was uh, out of town, and then we had our spring training stuff getting started and all that. Uh, We'll hear from Ben in a little bit. And then this is uh, a segment that we sam and i have been discussing for the last couple of months and unfortunately now is uh it starts in a a scenario where frankly we need to add a segment because we're not really going to be able to do ah three strikes here's three topics from spring training this week to talk about but sam and i have been discussing for a while that we wanted to start uh incorporating our writers from milb.com more from week to week we get so much good stuff put up on the site uh, and we will probably start going back through some of the stuff from the off season uh, that we have had up on the site that maybe you've missed um, but Rob Terranova will join us here in a little while um, to discuss a story that he's got up on the site as of today we're recording on Wednesday the 18th on uh, White Sox pitching prospect Zach Birdie who's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit over the last couple of seasons uh, due to injuries but we'll be hearing from uh, our writers a lot more which is going to be a lot of fun for us and uh, hopefully a lot of fun for you as well and As Sam noted, um, if you have ideas, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you've got um, concepts of what you think would be fun to hear us talk about uh, on the show, get in touch, podcast at MILB.com, at Sam Dykstra, MILB for Sam, and I'm on Twitter at Tyler Mon, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. And we're all – here with you and uh and we love you for however long you've been tuned into this show it has been incredible to us the following that we've been able to gain over the the five six years now that we've done uh this show i think earlier i said four or five now i'm saying five or six i'm just going to start adding (laughs) every time i you know for the 16 17 years we've done this show it's been great gaining this following but um get in touch we're uh we're a family for a reason with minor league baseball and uh we are our own certain brand of weird obviously as uh, as you've probably come to know listening to this show over the last you know 10 11 years and uh so if you've got some stuff that you want us to do uh or talk about or cover or whatever it is get in touch and we will be uh we'll be happy to oblige does that does that sound good for a first segment? Should I toss to this Christian Robinson? Is that what we're I, doing I,
0: right I, I think so. Let's
2: yes. do it. Let's do it. Christian Robinson, the top prospect in the D-backs organization, coming up. We are headed to the desert and the Arizona Diamondbacks top ranked prospect on this week's episode of the show before the show as outfielder Christian Robinson joins us who is uh, still in Arizona, a uh, a baseball product of the Bahamas. We'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Um, Christian, first off, man, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Obviously, it's a, a very strange week, but we really appreciate you giving us some time today.
3: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
2: absolutely, man. So tell us about the last uh, week for you guys. We recorded our last episode uh, a week ago today. So on Wednesday, the 11th, and obviously starting that night uh, in the NBA and then subsequently the NHL and Major League Soccer the next day. And then, of course, the Major League Baseball decision. Um, There has been so much. We were talking our last segment. It feels like every day has lasted about a month uh, since last week. But for you guys last Thursday and Friday and into the weekend and now in this week um tell us about how you first you know were kind of informed by the organization as to what the plan was right now uh and what these last several days have been like for you since uh baseball operations were suspended
3: yeah i think there's only like one word to really describe it and i think that's what we're all thinking right now it's just like everything that's going on is so strange we're not used to you know uh this kind of pandemic and you know just everything shutting down. So. Uh, Being able to just soak that in and and realize that it's happening and, you know, um, we're going to be away from baseball for a while, that was something I had to take in. Um, But, I mean, life is is so much bigger than sports, so I'm I'm one of the by that, and I'm not worried too much about um, as far as, you know, when we're going to pick up again or, you know, what's going on. In the sports world, you know, the number one thing right now is to stay healthy. Um, and I'm going to do as much as I can to keep my family healthy, myself. And right now, that's uh, socially distancing myself. So that's what I'm doing.
0: And, and as Tyler mentioned, and as you mentioned to us before you came on, you're still in Arizona. Uh, what is your kind of short-term plan right now? Because a lot of people are going back home, traveling far and wide. Um, you're sticking nearby. Uh, what What are your days like right now, and what is the plan just for the next couple of days and, and next couple of weeks, even?
3: And I've kind of used the first few days uh, that since we heard the news to to take some time off. See, we were going we we're going pretty much like every day since we found out. So, you know, I took the time, took the weekend, took uh, took some time off, uh, recovered a little bit, and then from here on out, I'm just going to play it by ear, talk to the the front office, talk to staff, talk to whoever, whoever's out there right now and, and see what's going on, um, you know, and, and find, you know, if I have to find someone to train with or, you know, find a place to train with, I'll do that. But um, right now I'm just playing it by ear.
2: Christian what did the reactions of most of your fellow prospects been I know um, obviously last week the, the word came down that um, players could go home if they wanted to they were also welcome to stay at the facilities organized activities uh, are not permitted at the moment um, but you guys are still allowed to be there and, and use um, you know the weight rooms and, and cages and all that kind of stuff What what have your teammates reactions been and how many have been able to stick around with you in Arizona
3: Oh, I haven't spoken with my teammates too much about it. And I know there's a there's a good number of guys that are still here working out at the facility. Um, you know, a lot of guys, they go home, and it was unfortunate because I think a lot of guys flew out like the day before we found out or the day out. Oh, so that was unfortunate that they had to come all the way up here and go back home. But um, as far as the reaction goes, I mean, everyone's just kind of shocked. I don't think everyone, I don't think anyone's upset or angry with the decisions that's being made. Um, but... Yeah. Well, I think we're all just kind of taking the time to realize that this is real, but at the same time, you know, um, it's, it doesn't really stop. Um, I, I don't think it really stops everyday activity uh, as much as something that was, that was truly threatening. I mean, it is, it is threatening as a virus, but you know, you don't see it, it doesn't affect you physically. So, you know, we, we kind of just go on about a day right now. Um, and and that's pretty much all we're doing.
0: And when you guys did find out that this was going on, I know you mentioned some people had just flown in, and that's pretty heartbreaking to find out about turning right yeah. around. Where were you in your progression of getting pre- prepared uh, for the twenty twenty season?
3: I was I was well in. I mean, we've we've, we've been at, at early camps since, and, um, and we started on the seventeenth of February. So. We were well in probably about a month into training, working out, um playing games, trying to get some live abs, some live results the back the outfield. You know, so I was feeling pretty good. Um and, you know, right now I'm, I'm trying to do my best to keep that up. Uh still trying to get some reps in the outfield, still trying to get a lot of reps in the cage, uh, off the machine right now, you know, just staying with my time and but um it's limited. that's, that's for sure.
2: Christian let's talk about some things that are a little bit more fun and uh, think about actual baseball stuff last season uh, you get to play 69 games between two different levels in Class A short season Hillsboro and full season Kane County and with Hillsboro in the Northwest League uh, you tear up that circuit 319 407 558 slash line nine homers uh at that level which was uh more than you did in your debut season and you did it in 13 fewer games last year to to have that start um and be able to go to the northwest league and do it at 18 years old uh and be that successful what do you think the the biggest key was to that obviously when you you sign and you get into pro ball that first year is always crazy which was 2018 for you and then last year you take off so quickly what do you attribute that to
3: um, just finding that group, finding uh, what works for me every day, finding my routine, sticking with it, trusting in it. Um, you know, I I found my swing uh, really early in the season. I kind of lost it, and, and I and I got it back early in the season. And, you know, I, I tried to do everything to just keep it and, and make sure it didn't go anywhere. And that was, um, was just like my, my normal routine, my daily routine in the cage. Um you know my my mentality going up to the plate kind of kept that simple. So yeah, that was the, that was the, that was the biggest thing. Just making sure I have my key points to hit before um, seven o'clock every day.
0: And when you talk about finding your swing, uh, one of the big things for you is your power potential. You played last year the entire year at age eighteen. You didn't turn nineteen in, until December. That puts those numbers even to bigger context. Uh, but when things are going right for you offensively and you feel like you're able to play into your full potential, what does that look like? What kind of markers are you looking for up at the plate to know you are locked in?
3: Um, I think it, it goes back to what I just said, keeping it simple. Uh, just knowing that, you know, I, I I know I could do a lot of damage if I had to stick with uh, stick in my zone, stick with what I do best, and that's just you know hitting the strikes, hitting hitting the ball on the middle, hitting the mistake. Um, and you know I feel like I capitalized a lot last year on the mistakes, and uh, when you do, it looks it looks well, it looks great, like how it did last year. And if you don't, then that's when you have to struggle. But yeah, just keeping it as simple as I can, uh, narrowing it down to just you know. Seeing my pitch in the middle of the plate and just swing, taking a swing at it, taking a hack, and seeing what happens.
2: Christian, you get up to Kane County and uh, making that jump from short season ball to full season ball is always um, maybe the most challenging in the minor leagues, one of the most challenging in the minor leagues. Uh, but you hold your own and especially finishing well uh, toward the end of the season. I know you had a good run there at the the latter stages of August. Um, going from Hillsborough to Kane County, what was the biggest difference in that jump in levels for you and for how pitchers approached you and all that type of stuff? What was the, the biggest difference between those two sides?
3: Yeah, it was a huge adjustment. It was a huge adjustment, um, and and I'm actually like thankful for it. I I think that was something that I really needed, uh, and I think I think it didn't come at a better time. You know, somewhere, uh, uh, you know, when I'm struck, when I'm doing really well in Hillsboro, you know, I go to Kane, and you know, it, it kind of just kind of just seems to plummet, and and I have to find out, you know, what what to do to get back in the mix and get back in the game. So. Um, I think the biggest thing was, was just the pitchers, how they throw, how they how they pitch in different counts. Um, they tend to switch stuff up up there, and, and I noticed that that was something I didn't know, but I found out and I had to adjust to, and I tried to do my best at the end of the year, and I finished pretty well, and, and that's something that I could take from the table adding into this season.
0: And, uh, yeah, just one one of the things – you had to prepare for last year was kind of going from April. I know you started out at Hillsboro. uh, so you you were hung back a little bit at extended, uh, but still getting ready for a full season and trying to play that out, uh, trying to be ready every day just in case they call you up to, Kane County a little early. Uh, what was it like just trying to build on that? Because you you were basically the age of a high school senior here in the states. Uh, what was the most eye opening thing about trying about just the length of the season last year? Um, I don't
3: think there was anything to it. It was just. You know you go in you have your plan for that day and, and you just you you stick to that and you focus on that and you don't look at the longevity of the season. I mean it's a, a baseball season is so long on its own I to, to stress it out and make it even worse is to you know try and try and look at how, how long the span is of the season and how you're gonna how you gonna make it through it So I think just to, just to think day in day out what you're gonna do, um and to be present, that's the number one thing. Uh that helped me a lot. Just to be present in every moment, you know. And I think that was something I didn't say it before, but I think that was something that helped me too in Hillsborough was just being present in every at bat. So I try to stay present, I try to try to not focus on the longevity of the season, how long the games are, how many games we have, just pitch by pitch.
2: Christian, your background uh, as a product wow. of Nassau in the Bahamas. Uh, we've talked with other guys who uh, who grew up in that environment and become top prospects. Obviously, Jazz Chisholm uh, coming out a couple years before you and signing with the D-backs, and then you get your ticket and and now in your third season in pro ball coming into this year. Um, what was the road to get you into baseball? There's so much talent coming out of there now, and it's been so cool the last few years. We've seen the, the home run derbies and top prospects who have gone over to take part in stuff in the Bahamas. Um, tell us about – being a kid and growing up and getting into baseball and also kind of what baseball is like in the Bahamas now especially with so much talent coming out of there and how I would imagine that probably really excites kids who want to get into the sport.
3: Um, well I started playing when I was about five and it's, a, it's an amateur league you play you play. Um My dad brought me up in that league and then thankfully with there was a group of Group of well-gifted guys. I wanted to to share their knowledge and give their information and help young guys like me come up. And you know, thankfully, I I fell in the arms of those guys, and you know, they they guided me and they told me everything that I need to do to to make it to the level that I want to go to, to I want to get at. So um, you know, I just I just trusted in those guys. Um, I won't say the names just to keep it confidential, but um, yeah, I. I had a lot of trust in those guys and and they're playing for me. And, you know, it was day in, day out, just going to the field, getting my work in. Um, I call it the dog days, you know, the the days where, you know, no one sees you working, you know, you're tired, you're you're feeling worn out, but you got to keep going. And and I had those days when I was younger and and fought through them, and that was something that that helped me just see the, the vision in baseball that, that I kind of soft myself, and um, it was it was just something that was that was um I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it to me was me all just, the time on the shows. And... Was, yeah, it was just something that was that was nerve wracking. You didn't know what you were getting yourself in. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, I didn't know what the baseball world was like. I just knew I wanted to play. Didn't really know you know where I was gonna be. When I was going to start, I just wanted to play baseball. And that's, that's something I kind of stuck with.
0: Yeah, and then I'll kind of picking up off that based off you know your native Bahamas. From what I've read, players from the Bahamas are eligible to play for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. There are some qualifiers coming up for that. That's been put on pause. I won't ask about playing for Great Britain necessarily, but could you envision a day if – we'll put eligibility requirements over to the side, but do you think there could be a day between yourself, Jazz Chisholm, Lucius Fox, Deshaun Knowles, and the Los Angeles Angels system where the Bahamas could basically field a team itself in the World Baseball Classic and be really competitive, let's say, in five years or so?
3: Yeah, I I definitely thought about that. I mean, uh, I actually – I don't know if this you know, I go out and say it. I don't I think it's I don't think it's confidential, but I was actually signed up to go and play with Great Britain in the in the World Baseball Classic um qualifier this month but it got to postponed because of the virus. But um yeah, I, I've had thoughts about that, you know. Um just trying to think about the the pieces of the puzzle that we need to put together to to make this thing happen. I know we have a, a lot of good guys right now that's playing and we have a lot of talent, but You know, we kind of have to have a plan and and see if if this thing can really happen.
2: Christian being in a circumstance where you could play on the international <laughs> stage like that um, and obviously it's it's tough you know right now it, it should be going on right now I mean the first round of those qualifiers was supposed to be going on uh, right now in Tucson and uh, it's on hold for the moment but what excites you about the the possibility to play in an international competition like that the the World Baseball Classic has done such a great job over the last few years I think in really highlighting especially that 2017 edition of just how good that event can be um, being uh, a person who is committed and is going to be part of those qualifiers when they happen what excites you about being able to play in an event like that versus just being able to play professionally
3: yeah i talked to uh, i talked to one of the guys who's on the team in 2017 Albert Cartwright, and um he just said that it, it, it's totally different it's, it's, it's something special just being just being on the team with you know your buddies. there was a lot of guys on that team so he got to experience that moment with with a lot of them but um you know with the guys who are going to be on this team. He said, "Just, just being a, being able to experience that moment with them is something that you can can't duplicate. It's not something that you feel." Um, and he played in the minors with the Phillies, so he knows. And he said, "He said it's not something. Um, it's not like a, a minor league team. You know, in a playoff run with them, it, it doesn't even compare. So, um, and that's all. That's all I'm accustomed to right now. So." Uh, I was looking forward to it, but unfortunately, it, it was postponed. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we get the news on when it's gonna when it's gonna um, start up again, and and I'll be ready for for that time.
0: And uh, just jumping back to your relationship with the Dbacks organization, you, know, you signed with them out of the Bahamas back in July 2nd, 2017, right when the international market opened Uh, in those last three years. And especially this last year, the D backs have become a really strong system, especially at the outfield spot, adding Corbin Carroll in last year's draft, adding Alec Thomas in the draft before that. Uh, How have you seen the D back system and organization grow in just your almost three years with that system?
3: Definitely evolving. I mean, it just, seeing the, the guys that I came up with, you know, now you know you know, I came up with Pedomo. Perdomo was just in the Fall League, he was just in big league camp this year. Um, being able to see that it 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 makes you realize that, you know, things are changing around there, things are evolving and we're coming up and we're coming strong. And, you know, I I kinda I kinda felt it back in two thousand eighteen, my first my first pro season when I played with those guys in A C L and you know, just looking around the dugout, just looking on the field, watching them play. It was just like there's something really special about this group. Um, I came over with Alec, and you know, he was he was number one last year, and he had a really good season last year. And um, you know, it's they're, they're doing something special, and they're working towards something. So, you know, out to the D-back fans, I just hope that they're uh, but keeping that trust in us, and and hoping that. Uh, it turns around, and a few years to come.
0: All right, Christian, well, we'll end on this one. Uh, I was asking this question of a couple guys in, in spring training last week before the cancellation came, and I think this question is even more pertinent now since it's going to be a while until minor league baseball comes back. Uh, but based on your experience, whether it's the A Z L, whether it's Hillsboro, whether it's Kane County, what is your favorite? minor league
3: story or memory Whew, my favorite minor league story or memory I saw how it went Let's see uh, oh my my first game my first my first pro game in front of like a, a legitimate audience you know what I mean a, a legitimate crowd it was in Missoula uh, 2018 uh, a couple of years ago. And I remember it was a home game. It was my first game. And it was pretty crowded. It was like Friday night. So all the kids were out. And I just remember like the first play, like the first inning. Um, I was really nervous. I was hoping, like, oh, I hope I don't miss a fly ball. Or, you know, they hit a fly ball on me and I, and I get a battery or something like that. But uh, there were two outs, and this guy hit a laser to um Blaze and shortstop, Blaze Alexander. And I remember he just jumped up and caught it, and I just remember like the crowd, just like, just like bursts of of noise, the uh, you know the the screams, the, the the clapping. I just remember that that reaction, and I was just like, like this is really football, like this is something different. So that was probably my my favorite moment, um, something that stuck with me ever since.
2: That is awesome. That is an awesome story and uh that, that is all the stuff that we're hoping to get back to way sooner rather than later and uh christian robinson yeah. the top ranked prospect in the arizona diamondbacks organization uh who is still in az and getting set to go for uh whenever things get rolling and whether it's uh in Kane county or visalia or or making that climb up uh to the higher levels this year christian best of luck um in 2020 obviously stay safe and stay healthy and, uh, and we'll see you back on the field um sooner rather than later and thanks so much for making the time for us today man
3: All right, thank you. appreciate it.
2: It was a different world when we uh, last spoke with Benjamin Hill on the Show Before the Show podcast from MILB.com, but thankfully Ben has returned. Uh, Ben was uh, out of the office, and then uh, we had spring training stuff going on, and now it's uh, a much different conversation than we were anticipating having on March 18th. But, uh, Ben, it's good to talk to you. Welcome back, man. Hey, thanks, Tyler,
1: and thanks, Sam. Uh, Sam, I'm used to sitting next to you in a workplace conference room, but of course, uh, for a whole host of reasons, that's not the case right now. A lot of social distance going on right now. But uh, I hope we can have social togetherness you know, through the sound of our voices. I'm in Pennsylvania right now visiting my mom, suburban Pennsylvania, standing in an open field, and there is no one within at least like – I don't see another living soul. I might be the last person left in the world. So I'm going to stand in this field in suburban Pennsylvania and let's just talk about whatever we need to talk about.
2: There we go. That works. I like that idea. Um, well, let's let's dive into it. Uh, ben, of course, is our uh, our guru for all things business of baseball. And the weird thing is, right now, the business of baseball and the minor leagues is very much uh, in uncharted territory. And Ben, right now, um, it's strange because we simultaneously want to ask you about what all everybody is doing, and yet. People can't really do anything. I mean, teams are all working uh, remotely. There are team stores closed and, and uh, ticket offices closed and front offices closed and all that. I mean, what is the, the general tenor been of what you have heard from most people and uh, and what the last week has been like?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it's uh, just imagine how you feel right now, not just you, Tyler, but you, the person listening. Imagine how you felt this week and all the uncertainty uh, with how to proceed. You know, I I think that's where everyone is. And I think that's where obviously minor league baseball as an industry is. you know, dealing with, okay, we're not going to start on time and okay, it's going to be even later than we thought. And okay. We shouldn't even, you know, be working, uh, out of our offices really, unless it's completely essential. And so I think we've seen, uh, in minor league baseball teams doing, uh, what we've seen companies, businesses, uh, you know, essentially quote unquote, non-essential personnel, uh, doing all over the country. Um, been seeing, you know, Instagram collages of different front office members, uh, you know work from home setup uh you know teams doing what they can there has been that kind of surreal thing you're on twitter and you know there's all this stuff about you know the state of the world and then there's a the minor league team that's just like hey you know tickets are still on sale for you know all games you know from june on and you know so i think teams are trying to do business as usual you know when they can you know getting that message out there that Uh, obviously that that once baseball starts, once minor league baseball starts, you know, like anything else, you know, if uh, you you appreciate something more when you have to miss it more than you expected. So I think teams are just trying to right now adjust. And I think uh, in the near future, we'll see, you know, more strategies emerge. We'll see, I think, kind of goofy things that they can do to just, uh, you know, get people's attention Uh, you know, whether it's playing video games, um you know going back through the archives um you know broadcasters telling stories or uh you know sharing their favorite clips um you know we're all just improvising right now and uh well you know we'll all figure it out too it's gonna be okay
0: yeah and and what you've seen so far from teams going about this and all that kind of stuff um or maybe you know things you've heard about from front office members uh talking here and there uh You know, does there seem like there's going to be any sort of theme of of how to go about this? Do you think or can you envision not necessarily based on conversations, but based on your expertise of this, can you envision kind of a cohesive effort here in terms of everybody collaborating, almost having, you know, we talk about the winter meetings or the promo seminar or something like that uh, coming together from a distance, obviously? Of ideas and how all leagues, all teams can kind of get through this uh, with a similar strategy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see that as as things progress. in the minor league baseball office in St. Pete, I think, is going to have some kind of overall dictates and directives over the kind of general tone to strike and uh, uh, you know messages to prioritize. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting going forward as as uh, as we figure all this out. Uh, But right now, I think it's, you know, kind of like I said, just, uh, you know, one day at a time trying to just figure out like more – Kind of like what I'm doing, like what's it like working from home every day? Or in my case, what's it like working from my mom's condo every day? I think everyone's just kind of easing into their uh, specific situation. And, uh, you know, more big picture initiatives will emerge, uh, I'd say, you know, sooner than later. And uh, I think just like anything else, even when things are abnormal, uh, you want as much a sense of normalcy as possible. So it's good to have things to focus on, and uh, that'll come about soon enough.
2: Ben, one thing that we have discussed on this show, uh, in episodes and years past, is a lifelong streak of yours that has now been broken. shouldn't say lifelong, but uh, since 1995, I think, streak of yours. Uh, you watched The Sandlot. You had never seen The Sandlot. And now, with uh, all of the craziness in the world, th- that time finally arrived for you. And uh, God knows we need something fun to talk about. So, your breakdown of The Sandlot. I need to hear... Obviously, there. I would think that the the hype or the anticipation of that uh, from all of the people surrounding you, who have probably for your entire life said you've never seen the Sandlot, that probably built it up to a level that I can't imagine any movies reach. But I want I want the review of it.
1: Well, Tyler, to clarify, I've still not seen it.
2: Oh, you haven't watched it yet. I
1: have decided to watch it.
2: <laughs> These things take time. These things take time. I really time. thought – I saw the tweet, like, at the end of last week, like, I'm finally going to watch the salon. I just assumed, like, that you were tweeting that as the opening credits are rolling.
1: No. I just meant <laughs> I'm going – I commit to doing it. And I've committed further. So the story with this is, I think it was uh, – was it just last season? Two seasons ago. 2018 season uh was sandlot uh 25th anniversary and there were sandlot promotions all over minor league baseball uh squints you know the actor chauncey leopardi was at ballparks all over the country in particular but there were dozens and dozens of sandlot promos a lot of sandlot discussion and through the course of that season as i was writing about it and talking about teams doing sandlot promos i just kind of dropped like you know what i never saw this movie i just never saw it and to be honest you know, now that I'm an adult, just, it just doesn't seem that appealing. And people are like, oh my God, how can you be a baseball writer? How can you be a fan of our national pastime? How can you be an American? How can you believe in God? And not having seen the <laughs> Sandlot. So. I was like, okay, okay. And then it just became like on Twitter does, you know, just jokes, you know, the sandlot would get referenced and someone would tag me and be like, Ben's biz wouldn't know that kind of thing. And then I've just been kind of milking it and drawing it out and making that part of my stick, The baseball writer who hasn't seen the sandlot. It's not the best stick, but Hey, we all need a stick. And that one was working for me a little bit, but now desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, we're going to go without baseball for a while. And I said, you know what? I'm going to watch the sandlot. Did I watch the sandlot? lot? no, But I'm going to watch The Sandlot, one. And two, I decided it's going to be March 26th, and that is when MLB opening day was supposed to be. And three, please follow me on Twitter, at Ben's Biz. We'll have some more discussions. But I will let everyone know when I'm watching this. Maybe we can have some sort of group watch, anyone who wants to. I don't know how it works. You know, Google Hangouts or WeWatch.com or I don't know what. But – Uh, I think it'd be cool if as many people in the the minor league baseball world as possible all sit down and watch the Sandlot at the same time. It'll be my first time. It might be someone else's 50th time. But I think it'd be a fun way to pass the time on what would have been Major League Baseball opening day. Are there any other
0: movies we can do this with? Like I know we, we're taking everything one day at a time, so I guess we got to take everything one baseball movie at a time. But is there any other baseball movie you haven't seen that we could maybe do like a pre- preview or coming attraction to beyond Sandlot? Something for minor league yeah, opening I mean, day, maybe?
1: Yeah, well, I guess the next one for me that I've never seen, which is probably equally as offensive uh, as the Sandlot, is I never saw a League of Their Own either so maybe that's uh, maybe that's another one I should see you know I don't really like baseball movies that much is that like something I shouldn't say but like uh, Field of Dreams I loved it as a kid and then I watched it as an adult and I could not stand it and now I feel like sacrilegious saying this but I didn't like well, it at all like maybe because I
2: read the book. That's like the old man baseball writers uh, cl- not not saying you I'm saying like there is a cottage industry in old man baseball writing uh, on the national landscape of is Field of Dreams good or bad but I think that I think you have a correctly nuanced take in that at one time in life for people I think it was probably amazing and now you watch it a different time of life and it's not good but it's mind-numbing sometimes how that movie just the opinions that people have to have about field of dreams for whatever reason is uh somewhat exhausting it's also a very good joke uh in the british sitcom peep show uh (laughs) about field of dreams in which uh in which mark says to jeremy one of the the main characters your inspiration is field of dreams a movie about a man who builds a baseball pitch in his garden because it's British and it's a pitch in a garden. Um, yeah, uh, it's, you know, I Field of Dreams I have actually shied away from re-watching since I was, like, in high school because I have good memories of Field of Dreams. I remember liking it, and now I don't want to watch it and hate it and be crotchety, angry old guy.
1: Yeah, that's what happened to me. And I'd read the book, <laughs> and in the book, the James Earl Jones character is J.D. Salinger. Yeah. And then – yes. So that was kind of hard to reconcile that. The
2: book is very good, and we're all stuck inside forever. So if you can get a copy of Shoeless Joe or you can download it somewhere, it is a very good book.
1: It is. And so I was having trouble kind of reconciling the two. And, you know, in the movie, uh, the James Earl Jones character had kind of a a, a black radical past. And it was kind of hard for me to reconcile him and his character with this kind of sepia-tone nostalgia for an era of baseball that was segregated. And I don't feel like they really reconciled those things. Maybe that's I'm that's now fair. getting way too into it and thinking way too much, but I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't think he'd be that into this, but man. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk. Let's well, talk. No, I just I want to
0: throw this out real quick. Cause I, I have thought about this before and Tyler brought up the book and I too have read the book. Uh, would all of these arguments Happen would we all have this nostalgia for this Kevin Costner picture if it stuck to the original title? If it was just called Shoeless Joe, Field of Dreams feels, you know, it has its own aura to it. Uh, whatever. If it was just Shoeless Joe, if that was the only—that's the only change we're making. We're just calling it Shoeless Joe instead, and almost by definition, the uh, the focus changes to the guys coming out of the corn. Do we care about that movie differently? Do we even have this debate?
2: You know, I'm going to interject a point here because there is a a real-world parallel for this. Um, the Shawshank Redemption, when that movie came out, did not really do well in the theaters at all. And I've read some stuff that subsequently there was a lot of analysis that people thought it may have been to how underwhelming that name was. Mm. And when people saw a listing for it, or they saw the movie poster with Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins, just like staring vaguely off camera, nobody knew what it was about. Nobody understood the story. Nobody had any concept of how good it would be from the name. Uh, and then all of a sudden it gets to VHS and it's running on cable and it's, you know, blowing up, uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s and now it's a classic but when that movie came out it really wasn't that well received uh or at least that um widely received by audiences so that's a good point maybe that is a movie called shoeless joe certainly i don't think strikes the same heartstrings as field of dreams as a title
1: yeah Yeah, i I would
2: agree with that
0: just to pick up on that too, I guess to answer my own question, but piggybacking off of what you said, Tyler, we just had an, another example of that last year with Doctor Sleep, which was the sequel to The Shining, but nobody knew right. it was the sequel to The right. Shining because it doesn't—it's not The Shining Two. Yeah, was it wasn't called the,
2: Shining Two, more Shining in.
0: I was going to say Shining or shinier, but yeah, short, shinier. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that—that that is a good point. I, I don't know. It's—it's it's interesting. We play this game all all summer or all spring if we needed to in terms of movie titles but just something to think about
1: with field of dreams i like it, it is That's a lot to think about yeah I'll, I'll try to think of other examples of that that's good but uh yeah to, to to bring it back somewhat to the main point uh i'm gonna watch the sandlot on march 26 and uh maybe uh, league of their own after that and uh, we can argue about baseball movies uh you know a lot so hey hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk about baseball movies or literally anything else at Ben's biz. I'd appreciate it. And I do really, you know, all sarcasm, all jokes, all snark, all everything aside. uh, I really do like communicating with people uh, at all times, especially this time. Uh, You know, we've got a community around us and I think it's a good time to utilize it.
2: Benjamin Hill is on Twitter at Ben's Biz, on Instagram at the Ben's Biz. Um, It also kind of surprises me that, uh, you know, talking about obviously the same lot of classic for, for baseball comedy, um, Field of Dreams, you know, it's a, a baseball relational movie, fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and all that kind of stuff, um, a league of their own uh, with the All-American Girls Professional League. It sort of surprises me that there has not been a uh, – dive into negro leagues baseball in a a cinematic sense and evidently there was a movie um back in 1996 starring McKelty williamson called soul of the game um which was somewhat about it but also somewhat about the integration of major league baseball um And kind of leads me to a a plug that we are certainly not getting paid for, but if you have never seen the Ken Burns baseball series, I discovered a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually probably about a month ago now, that that was on Amazon Prime. It has now been added to the PBS app. Evidently, Ken Burns, he tweeted this out last night, posted it on social media. He requested that PBS make it available for streaming for people now since there is a delayed start to the baseball season. If you have not watched that, it's incredible. Um, It's obviously much longer than all of us sitting around being able to watch it together but uh that's another one so it's we're we're here to bring you some options to keep your baseball mind somewhat occupied and uh benjamin hill is one of the best dudes and being able to do that and get in touch with ben and uh thanks man for joining us from what sounds like an idyllic pennsylvania field and uh we'll we'll talk next week <laughs> and um next week will be like t minus one day until your viewing of the sandlot so we'll all be very excited for that
1: yeah, we're getting closer and closer, and uh, so much joy and uncertainty and anxiety awaits. It's a whole stew of emotions, it's all great. but we're in this
2: together. Everything's great, but we're in it together. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Rolling along on this week's episode of the show, we continue uh, diving in with MILB.com's own writers. And Rob Terranova joins the show for a story that he's got up on the site as of right now. You can go check it out at MILB.com about uh, Chicago White Sox 17th-ranked prospect Zach Birdie, who might be a guy, even if you're a White Sox fan, that you haven't heard about in a little while. And we're going to dive into why that is. But uh, Rob, good to talk to you, man. How are you?
4: Good, good. Hanging in there. Just doing my part in quarantine like everyone else, it seems like. How you doing, Tyler? Doing all
2: right, man. Uh, it's, it's good to talk to you. And this is a great story. It's up on the site right now, um, and it's about a guy who, coming out of college and into the first round of the the 2016 Major League Draft, looked like man, he's going to be in Chicago in no time. 26th overall pick that year. Uh, Zach Birdie jumps into pro ball and really, really strong debut season. He pitches between three levels, uh, four levels actually that year. Started out in the A.Z.L. He was only there for one inning, but uh, got some time at Class A advance. Got time at Double A. Got time at Triple A. Uh, and then really over the last few seasons he's been derailed and it's been injuries and it's been all types of stuff uh, on the road coming back from various things. Um, give us kind of the, the lowdown on this story and how prime Zach Birdie seems to be able to finally make that step back to where he was after his draft year.
4: Yeah, it really is kind of just an unfortunate series of events for him. Uh, like you said, on the fast, on the fast track, uh, White Sox make this investment. I believe he's number 27 overall that year. And gets the triple a the following spring he's in big league camp he's performing well so here he is thinking you know he's basically knocking on the door to go play in the majors and then he blows out his arm uh, has to have tommy john surgery misses a year uh, in 2018 and then he comes back and he seems to finally be finding his footing again uh, appears to be kind of back to where he was when he got drafted and then he gets this really freak knee injury He said he's just doing some pregame stretching, and uh, he tears something in his knee, and it actually leads to uh, losing the cartilage in his knee, and he said that it would shift into his quad, and when that happened, it made him completely immobile. So he was trying to rehab the injury, doing everything he can to avoid surgery, but he said that the medical staff all got together. They said surgery was the best route, so he had to shut down again, and he finally returned to action in the spring and really put up some impressive numbers. Uh, going after big league hitters. And I have to say, talking to him, he was in really good spirits about the whole thing. said, you know, it, you can be down on yourself or you can just look at this as an opportunity to grow and get better. And it's really helped me get here. And and, and I think it's going to help me grow and really help me take that next step and be an even better pitcher in the majors. So he's back, he's healthy, and he's, he's going to make an impact uh, for Chicago sooner than later, I think.
0: Yeah, and one thing about Zach Birdie that always stood out to me was the – uh, the flame throwing ability. If you know anything right. about him, the first thing you think about is 101, 102 miles an hour. The guy throws incredibly hard uh, coming out of college. In your discussions with other people around the White Sox, you're quoting, you know, White Sox director of player development Chris Getz. You have quotes from the White Sox pitching instructor. Uh, where was he in terms of stuff this spring before everything got put put on a hold? Because you know, it's one thing to be healthy again, but for him to be effective, he has to be throwing upper nineties around a hundred again. Where was he stuff-wise?
4: Stuff-wise, he was showing really good velocity. Um, uh, they did mention to me that he was right where he should be for March. So just a tick or two under 100, but they were comfortable with where he was. They did make some tweaks to his mechanic, to his mechanics excuse me, uh, to help him down the line kind of prevent against future injuries, but he's kind of taken to all of it. Uh, I did hear that the ball was coming out of his hand really well, and they did some work on his slider to add tilt to his slider. So they think that that pitch, which was already a plus pitch, is going to be even better.
2: Rob, when you talk to an organization about a guy who has dealt with so many injuries, um, it seems like the the conversation really heavily often leans toward how he's been able to approach those mentally. And I know Chris Goetz said when they got him, they were really excited just to be able to draft him. Um, And it seems like sometimes, you know, we see this. I know Sam Carlson is kind of a similar story right now in the the Seattle Mariners organization, a guy who was drafted, I think, that same year and has barely been on a mound since. Um, And yet it seems like the organization, even when you haven't gotten a C, guys like him, guys like Zach Birdie on the mound quite as much. They almost become bigger fans of you in seeing how hard you're trying to get back at him. What was the impression that you got about how the White Sox feel about Zach Birdie as a person and the way he has you know, tried to to attack
4: this rehab and,
2: and get back out on the mound?
4: That was one thing that uh, Chris Getz actually raved about when I spoke to him. He was saying that they, they are so impressed with his attitude and his work ethic and, and just the way he he doesn't really complain that there really hasn't been any, any, you know, he didn't really, he hasn't really hung his head at all. It's always been, okay, this happened. What's the next step? Where do we go from here? How do, how do I get back to the mound as fast as I can? And it, it's kind of been on both sides. Chris gets on, on one end raving about his attitude and his work ethic. And on the other side, uh, Zach Bertie was saying that he felt really appreciated and supported from the organization and that he he never felt like they turned their back on him or anything. He said he was always uh, given every resource he needed, uh, just completely overwhelmed by the support. And uh, it's kind of been uh, a two-way street there.
0: Mm. And when you talk about that mentality, one thing that always stands out with me – about these guys is confidence, uh, knowing that your elbow blew out, knowing that you have a freak knee injury. Uh, you know, I, I kind of imagine it's difficult to walk around without worrying about what could be next. Uh, where did, did he seem confidence-wise in terms of how, how close he is to the major leagues and how close he is to being, you know, not an everyday reliever, but a consistent performer either at the minor or major league level?
4: I, it's funny, I actually asked him, I said, yeah, how are you feeling health-wise? And he said, I feel great. And then I said, would you say this is the best you've ever felt? And then he chuckled and he goes, well, I mean, there's a few years in high school there where I probably felt better than I do now. And, and we had kind of a laugh over that. <laughs> but no, he said that this is this is completely in the back of his mind. Uh, and he said he feels great, he feels strong. And uh, the, the longer you get away from it, the more you test it. He, he said a, a big part of this, uh, recovery recovering rehab is mental as much as it's physical. but uh, the the further away from it, the more he tries things, the more he's he's throwing that fastball or landing on that knee that it's it's just constantly building that confidence back up for him and and he said that there's there's no doubts in his mind that he's just kind of got his focus straight ahead and and that's where he's at.
2: Rob, with a, a situation coming into a season um, like this where you know he's facing big league hitters in spring training and looking really good, I know the White Sox made uh, a relatively early decision to reassign him to AA Birmingham um, to minor league camp, which is no big surprise, obviously. That seems like, just reading this story and evaluating where it seems like he is mentally, that seems like a really smart decision to just tell a guy like that, hey, here's where you're going to be. We're going to start you there. Obviously, you can push your way forward as as it comes, but to lock him into that mentality of, all right, Southern league is where you're going. That's how the season's going to start for you. Um, What was the impression that you got from him as to, you know, the fact that he kind of, obviously now things are different, but had a plan of how this season was going to look when that first pitch was fired.
4: He was actually relieved. He knew that he wasn't going to break camp uh, with the big league team. So he was relieved to get that assignment when he did. And and what you just alluded to, Tyler, having that plan in place and that structure. And he said that this is that right now he's kind of drawn from his rookie year when he moves so quickly. He said, you know, some guys get reassigned or demoted, and, and it's it's discouraging. But he said, for me, I have that experience of knowing how quickly you can move. That I know that if I do what I have to do, if I perform, I'm gonna I'm gonna be right back where I want to be. I'm gonna be to Triple A, and then I'll be I'll have my shot in the majors. So he. The, the thing that stood out to me when we were talking about this was he said you can take the decision out of their hands if you perform and you're excelling then they don't have a choice but to move you up and he said that's where i'm at right now
0: and uh rob you know obviously everything that's going on right now is wrapped up in this coronavirus story uh you were telling us off mic before we began that uh it was a little bit of a journey to get in touch with birdie because you originally planned to talk to him right around the time when spring training was being canceled and there were so many team meetings going on. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story in terms of trying to track him down. But also, uh, you know, at the end of your discussion, the last quote you use in here, he says, I think it's going to be a special year whenever it starts. Uh, how does that something like this, a delay, affect somebody like Birdie, who was so excited to get going this year and was ramping up uh, to have a potentially big year, not only make his Major League debut, but just prove his health.
4: That's right. That's right. And and that was uh, a big part of of how he ended things. I guess I'll start with the beginning of your question. So it was a little bit of a back and forth uh, kind of text back and forth for two days because uh, we were scheduled to talk on Thursday morning, and that was just before word came down uh, from the commissioner to – uh, stop baseball activities. The original plan was keep everyone in camp and do private workouts and just cut out scrimmages. And then suddenly it was, well, send, you know, that's not happening anymore either. So send people home. So, yeah. So it was uh, last Thursday and we were supposed to talk in the morning and he said, I have, a, uh, I have a meeting and then came out of the meeting and he let me know. And he said, you know, this coronavirus thing is shutting things down. They're trying to give us instructions and tell us what's what's going on. And it was just kind of a series of meetings for them. So as much as we didn't know what was going on, they didn't know what was going on either. And I have to give him a lot of credit because he stayed in very good contact with me, let me know what was going on uh, each step of the way. And uh, obviously we 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 finally got the conversation done in, I guess, about 48 hours later, essentially. But, yeah, it it was just a really hectic time as far as, Everyone was just trying to get the information they could and then relay to the players, but it was so fluid that it was constantly changing. The message kept changing, so it was uh, not just a a uncertain or, or tenuous time for us, but it was to them as well. And then, as far as getting started, I I actually did ask him. I said, "Yeah, you know, you must be so revved up right now. How hard is this?" And he said, "Look, you know, not just for baseball, for sports in general, you know, this this is our livelihood." And this is what we live for. But we have to put ourselves to the side right now. For the greater good, we have to do right by the fans. We have to do right by the community. So however long this takes, we just have to do our best to stay ready. And he was talking about just private workouts, staying sharp, doing whatever he had to do to make sure he stayed where he needs to be in order to excel when this, once the season finally starts. So it's it really isn't just... The general public like there is this is a fluid situation for everybody as I mentioned and uh, he's he remained uh, really inspired he really had his, his spirits up he, he didn't seem uh, down at all about the situation like really good understanding of everything and he's he said he said I, I have to do my part and we all have to do our parts just to make sure you know this thing doesn't spread or get any worse and then once we get some clarity on this we'll be ready. And, and that's where he is
2: rob is on twitter rob Terranova at rob t nova 24 uh he is one of our best people and uh also one of the large legion of boston university alum uh alumni in the uh, milb.com offices and uh this is a great story to have up on the site right now is kind of our our first one back from last week's initial shock and you should go read it and go follow rob and um rob we can't thank you enough for the time buddy and stay safe and be well and uh soon we'll be doing this in in lighter circumstances and talking about more fun stuff
4: Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.
2: We are going to uh, wish you farewell for this week's episode of the show before the show sam dykstra on twitter at sam dykstra milb i I am at tyler mon rob Terranova again at uh, rob t nova 24 and a big thanks to rob for joining the show we're going to keep doing that um the the one thing that sam and i have kind of talked about over the last i don't know a couple weeks is um you know as things get uh, got a little bit hairier and hairier maybe it provides an opportunity for us to be able to do some more fun and creative stuff with historical stories and player profiles and features and all that kind of stuff which are all of our favorite things to write in uh, in large part, I think. Um, so that's kind of exciting. And if you've got some stuff that you want to hear, whether it's on the podcast or see if we can dive into for a story or whatever it is, again, uh, get in touch, and hopefully we'll be able to have some fun through uh, the next several weeks that we're uh, all waiting out uh, this this weird storm that we're in.
0: Yeah, I actually had somebody ask me last week, uh, a, a friend's brother, you know, what, what do you do now? And one thing I wanted to remind him, is and it's one of the things that makes baseball great, uh, and, and our jobs great in particular is that minor league baseball has a lot of teams, and all of those teams have a lot of players. There are so many stories to tell. Yeah, in in minor league baseball, a lot of what, what I do. Everybody's
2: got a story, you know. Exactly
0: right. Um, a lot of what I do focuses on top prospects, but there are. You know, career minor leaguers. There are people just getting going. There are 38th round picks. There are first round picks who, who have dropped and are trying to rebuild their stock. There's so much going around here. This well will not run dry. Uh, we'll talk to Ben a lot more about what teams are doing and maybe we'll get more involved ourselves in type of a process. Some of the stuff we've talked about. What other teams do. Okay. What if we were to do that? Take you under the hood that way, uh, or behind the curtain, what have you. Um, you know, there's there's so many things we can do, and that that is a good thing. Uh, we will be here every week, like we always are. Uh, we're looking looking forward to those opportunities to tell different stories, to bring different types of people to you guys directly. So you're not just listening to us each week; you're listening to different backgrounds and different tales. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll still be here. We'll still be here.
2: And uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show. He's Sam. I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next week.